0: And the seagulls follow the troller, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea.
2: I will love it if we beat them. Love it. I'll have a low-fat pizza or something like that, or a few biscuits and some milk on a Sunday.
3: And you can pair up if you like, and you can fucking pick someone else to help you, and you can bring your fucking dinner. Panister and Bruce in the queue again.
0: Bruce! Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, he oh, No!
1: Hello, and welcome back to Now That's What I Call Quickly, Kevin. I'm Chris Skull. Joining me, Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And the man who wasn't Ian Wright's favourite teacher at school, it's Michael Marden. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Love that clip. He talks
4: about it yeah. on Desert Island Discs, if anyone's interested in hearing that. Apparently, his Desert Island Discs is a complete tearjerker. We've discussed this, though, have we? Have we? No, i discussed it with someone. You're cheating on us. You're cheating. You're having 90s football conversations outside of us. That is. I am, yeah. And apparently, Ian Wright's Desert Island Discs is absolutely magnificent and is a, a real nice uh, make-weight when you consider his behaviour on "I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here," <laughs> it made amends, and the way he treated PH Michael all those years. <laughs> so, I've got a question for you before we uh, before we go into our correspondence. How often are you checking the football news headlines these days? Not at all,
1: and, and actually, really?
4: I, I watch the sport update with like a
1: morbid curiosity. So, I'm just like, what are you going to talk about today? things getting moved or
4: cancelled it's weird isn't it because obviously my kind of default one of my default crutches on my phone was like to check the football news and now it's just completely gone from my life and it's very quick how you can totally kind of write football out of the narrative of your life when it was quite central to it if you know what i mean yeah
5: i'm still checking the bbc transfer gossip page every day
4: oh yeah is that still going
5: yeah, yeah, partly out of sort of muscle memory, but also just sort of morbid fascination or this need for some kind of football speculation. The <laughs> thing that surprised me is how quickly, like, FPL was such a big part of my week, and for two weeks it was that like... Fantasy Premier League. Yeah, Fantasy Premier League. And For two weeks, I was like I'd lost a limb. Have you furloughed your team, Michael? Yeah, well, it's... Because the game weeks are still running. This is so boring, but the game weeks are still running because they can't rewrite the software, so you get the free transfer every week. So essentially everyone's got, like... <laughs> A free wild card, you can just rebuild your team, but it's pointless because you don't know who's going to be in form, you don't know who's going to be at what club, what's going to happen. So it's sort of entirely redundant.
4: It's so weird, isn't it? I love trying to understand how it's affected my relationship with football. The other thing I was thinking about was like, do you think when everything restarts, like the managers that were under pressure are still going to be under pressure, or do you think you get a bit more of a honeymoon period? I I was talking about how quick until someone gets sacked.
5: I think you're going to have a bit of grace. Yeah, I think so too. Annoyingly, I think Solskjaer's going to keep the job now. I was like, damn it. (laughs) I thought we might get Potch, but now, no chance. Poor old Potch. He thought he was going to have three months out of the game. (laughs) (laughs) Can't even go on holiday.
1: He's still probably stuck in North London. I find myself, like, I I will flick on Sky Sports, but what I've discovered is I've got no interest in any kind of contemporary football anymore. I've got no interest really Mm. in any kind of replays of games from the last, like, three years. 2009, maybe 2010,
4: and before... I I watch everything. I'm really into it. Do you know what? It's proven that I'm interested in football from the past. I know we all knew that. but (laughs) You've satisfied yourself. We are aiming, uh, we should say to the viewers, in catching up to viewers, listeners, in catching up over these kind of lockdown weeks with guests that we've had on previously, like friends of the show, to see how the lockdowns affected them as football fans they'll give advice on old football that you could watch to kill the evenings and they'll talk to us about which players you know they're most excited about seeing once the lockdown's over stuff like that uh, so that will be coming up as part of all of our lockdown specials but before that here is some correspondence
3: i'm jim rosenthal and this is the electronic post bag
0: you've got mail
4: Three emails all about Panini's rising... Uh, Merlin's rising stars. Uh, so, you know how I asked last week for people to uh, do some research for us yeah. on uh, the Merlin rising stars of 1994, 95, was it? To run you through them again, Ian Selly, Steve Froggatt, Darren Eadie, Jamie Forrester, Darren Caskey, Neil Shipley and Neil Bartlett. The Merlin's choice of the seven nailed uncertainties for football stardom. So, uh... Patrick it has um, done us a uh, favour. Hi, guys. After hearing last week's list of rising stars, I decided to get to work on the research task, which is frankly the most exciting thing I've done in weeks. After a bit of digging on various websites to make sure we weren't doing England's next generation of stars any disservice, I've compiled a spreadsheet, which makes excellent viewing. Brilliant. In fairness to Ian Silly, he did break his leg twice in the space of three seasons, either side of his move to Fulham for £500,000. Enjoyed uncovering the developing career's which saw Neil Bartlett quit football for a role in the army in 1997. And Jamie Forrester swapped Scunthorpe town, no, Scunthorpe United, for FC Utrecht before returning to Warsaw. Hope uh, this is of some use. So I'll run you through them. Do you know what? I'm going to do it on Premier League appearances. I'm going to do a kind of higher-lower, play your cards right. Can we have the play your cards right Um, theme tune, please, Michael? Okay. Chris, are you ready to play your Merlin Stars of the Futures right? I'd love to, Brucey. We're going to do it on Premier League appearances. Your first card is Ian Selly. Is Steve Froggart higher or lower than Ian Selly's 41 Premier League appearances? Got to be lower. You've lost. What? <laughs> really? <laughs> Michael, the game's passed to you. Steve Froggart 75 Premier League appearances. Wow. Darren Edie, higher or lower than 75?
5: oh that's tricky because he featured but i don't know that norwich were in the premier league enough so i'm gonna say uh, i'm gonna say lower
4: oh my god what a waste of a game it was higher how how many (laughs) 81 it was close oh come on mate it's close (laughs) (laughs) there's back to chris someone's got to go there right darren edie's 81 jamie forrester higher or lower lower correct darren Kasky, higher or lower than jamie forrester's nine Oh, that's going to be really tight. It's not that tight. No, I'm going to say higher then. Yes, 32, Darren Caskey. Neil Shipley, higher or lower than Darren Caskey's 32? Higher. 149 Premier League appearances. <laughs> Neil Bartlett, higher or lower than Neil Shipley? Uh, lower. Lower it was. It was eight. There you go. Um, So the honours. Ian Selley, he ran an FA Cup, a League Cup, and a UEFA Cup Winners' Cup.
5: Yeah, we had a lot Pretty of people good. tweet in about that, that he played in the Cup Winners' Cup final. Steve
4: Froggett won the League Cup. Yeah. Darren E. D. is anointed into the Norwich City Hall of Fame.
5: Where's Where's A.D. Mike?
4: Oh, yeah, where is A.D. Mike? Where's, they haven't got A.D. Mike down there. Where's the data? I think it's our fault we didn't read out ad Mike. The three emails we've got, none of them have mentioned A.D. Mike. I must have made the mistake when doing the call-out. I do apologise. So, a uh, new call-out. Um, can we have all the information possible on A.D. Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
5: someone wants to go for his bins. (laughs) Well,
4: do you remember, this
1: is a great bit of 90s trivia that I think we've mentioned before. Do you remember that um, there was a big scoop that Shearer was being linked with Man United because someone had found the the tickets for a plane journey Manchester United were about to take and Alan Shearer's name was on it. And it turns out that what what they'd done is kind of set a trap They'd put this document in their bins to prove their theory that a journalist was going through their bins.
4: Wow. So
1: a big front story scoop so they that Angero is going to start. Early yeah. Early. yeah, they entrapped they entrapped the
4: journalist. That in the nineties. That's still sure a false memory. I'm sure that happened. So we've got we've got a couple more people who've sent in stuff about these people because people got absolutely fascinated by them. This is from Luke Williamson. Darren Edie was called up for England and was expected to make his debut in Le Tournoi in 1997. However, he got injured and missed out and never featured again for the England first team. Really? That's yeah. mad. I never thought he was that close. Well, get this. Steve Frogger was also called up for England. In 1999, wow. during his time at Coventry. 99? For the Euro 2000 playoff with Scotland, but he was an unused sub. Wow, that
5: is mad. Mad. so much later than I would have thought.
4: It's mad, isn't it?
1: I love that. There is the odd outlier, though, isn't there, playing for England? I always think of like Chris Powell. Every now and again, you get a, like an absurd player. I was look. I actually watched the other day the highlights of when England beat Germany 5 1. Do you know who oh, he yeah. played in? Uh, I think it was left midfield. Do you know who's playing no. in left midfield? No, no that 11. Nick Barmby. Nick Barnby. <laughs> That's yeah. a different era. He like, said, he's, he shouldn't be in that team. That's a mistake. Nick
4: it's a a glitch very, He's a very forgettable player, isn't he, yeah, Nick Barmby? He played for England. He went, he went to Liverpool, didn't he? kind of had this kind of late rise in his career. Yeah, Did I think he?
5: I think he's one of the biggest forgettable players, Nick Barmby. Like, he's a high-profile player, moves for a lot of money, England caps, big clubs. But unless you'd mention him, I'd forgotten Nick Barmby even existed.
4: Totally agree. So there you go. That's there's there's Amazing. A, a lot of interesting facts on those. If you've got anything on AD, Mike, uh, this is how to get in touch.
3: Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin, and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Um, and I had another bit
1: of correspondence. So earlier last week, we, um, we tweeted, who was better, did a little Twitter poll, John Collins or Collins John. I'm delighted to reveal that John Collins won with 74.3% of the vote. However... And I hope so. <laughs> we got a reply on the, on the thread to this from a guy called Adam Nathan, who says that he's got a game that he plays with his mates uh, who are at 11goody and at DM723. And the game is putting players' names in sequences... And I have to just give you what he's come up with to to kind of demonstrate how this game works. So he's got uh, the following sequence of names. Stern, John, Collins, John, O'Shea, Given. That's six, six individual really names and he's strung together. So I think you're
4: allowed to use the second bit of the surname because he's not called O'Shea Given.
1: No, yeah. So I, I think what, what yeah. I would like to do is invite the listeners to see if you can string together yeah. a longer line of players' names than that six, which is Stern, John, Collins, John, O'Shea
4: Given. We will accept O'Shea. And we should say uh, there will be bonus points for the heavily leaning on the 90s. Yeah. Got very little interest in anyone post-2007, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, now it is time to look back into the Nostalgia Football Podcast. It really is eating itself. Do you remember that time when we remembered something? It is. Now, that's what I call quickly, Kevin.
5: First up, Alex Brooker tells us about his worst Arsenal 11 of the 90s. So, in goal,
1: we've got Vince Bartram. Vince Bartram. Oh, yes.
4: Vince Bartram. So, I think with each one, we should say to Skull... That name What do you know
1: So the, when I think of Vince Bartram I think of your uh, Black and grey Goalkeepers kit With a star uh, in the middle Yes and, I, and the other thing I think is that He was quite good I remember him I think he might have Played against West Ham But I remember thinking oh, The thing about Arsenal Is you've always had Good sub keepers Throughout the ages like even when even when Seaman came in John Lucas was number two I would have said he was alright and do you remember your Alex Meninga for God's sake Alex, Alex Meninga was, Meninga was, like was incredible right. what I liked
2: about Alex Meninga is he looked like he was about 15 so you could yeah. kind of imagine like it just being like one of your mates in goal <laughs> yeah. he kind of looked and the way he used to like dive on everything like you do when you're like a kid
1: that's what I, I,
4: but uh, he, I uh, had very, he had very rouged cheeks, didn't he? Alex? Yeah. He had very <laughs> rouged yeah
1: he did. <laughs> the other thing that we, it ha- hasn't really come up on our podcast is that I grew up thinking substitute goalkeepers were rubbish, and it was a massive advantage if a substitute goalkeeper came on. This may have been influenced by sensible soccer, where the sub goalies were always rubbish. Yeah. So Vince Bartram, I mean, like, I'm sure I saw Vince Bartram play games and thinking, well, Arsenal going to concede four or five here, <laughs> and I, that never happened. But so but maybe Vince, I'm like, for Vince
2: Bartram, the problem was that. David Seymour was just really good, <laughs> so he was never, he was never ever gonna ever gonna get in the team. Um, my trivia for Vince Bartram is that he later went on to play for Gillingham, and his career ended when he got a wrist injury because he collided with Tony Warner, the goalkeeper. I think it was from Millwall. Had come up for a corner in the last, minute and they of the collided, game. and so he got injured, a... colliding with another goalkeeper. <laughs> That's
4: <has> got <gone laughs> to be a what, 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 what a way there. to bring the curtain down. <laughs> also, Tony Warner was a kind of reserve at Liverpool, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. There was kind of that... It was a bit of a circuit, like you had Tony Warner. <laughs> Liverpool also had Mike Hooper.
5: Do you remember Mark Mike Hooper? Yeah.
2: Didn't he play for Newcastle? Yeah, yeah okay. I think
5: he went on to be a reserve keeper at Newcastle. It's one of the most compelling characters in football, I think. When you know you're never going to be first-choice keeper. Yeah. Like the third-choice keeper at Chelsea. Like, Cudicini was there for years and didn't play. Like, what's your daily routine? Like, like, what, what goes on? I'm from Green
1: at Chelsea. Yeah, well,
2: yeah. Richard Wright ended his career at City <laughs> as the first choice goalkeeper. <laughs> I'm like, how? I, I imagine, right? Do you reckon if I'd have had, like, WhatsApp? back then they'd have had like a little WhatsApp group oh, the reserve like goalie goalie WhatsApp group and they're just all <laughs> slagging off you know
1: it's like oh god Steven Grisovic is doing my nuts he's
2: really hoping he's going to get a thumb injury or something like that
1: I'd love to know the money to games ratio like who earned the most money but played the least games yeah. Richard oh, Wright must be a contender you know, Richard Wright definitely
4: yeah. my favourite thing about reserve I think Cucicini Cudicini, seen, didn't he go from Chelsea to Spurs and stay as reserve goalie? Yeah, he was. Maybe coy, he's just a great yeah. lad. Like, he's a really good tough around the dressing room. <laughs> um, my favourite thing a reserve goalie can do is when it cuts to the bench and they're wearing the gloves. <laughs> um.
1: Why are you wearing that? You have time! <laughs> Um, I've got a little reserve goalie bit of trivia or factoid. My dad sponsored the match ball West Ham versus QPR 1994 and we got into the ground for a tour at 12 p.m. Uh, 12 midday the kickoff was 3. Get in there at 12. Les Seely our reserve goalie was already strapped up boots like shin pads on, uh, ready to go 3 hours before the game. Where he was, where, was ready. Where he was the, ready for the, the team. No one was in the dressing room, it was a tour of the dressing rooms, he's already in there, strapped oh, up, ready to go. So so no one else
2: around. That's a different send. The reserve goalie was ready. Uh, now you see a reserve goalie if they think the keeper's like they look as if they say, you're joking, I've got to come on. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see Vince Bartram play? Yeah, I must have seen Vince Bartram play. I can't remember it, but I know that he wasn't like very good and like apparently they used to cheer when his goal kicks went uh, further than the halfway line. <laughs> That's going to knock his confidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, he came from Bournemouth and he just... I always think it's a sign of players, where they come from and then where they go straight back to. Yeah. And he came from like a lower league and then he went straight back down <laughs> to like lower leagues. And it's all pretty much all of these players have done yeah.
4: that. You know, we were talking about strikers on Wikipedia who've got awful goals to game ratio. Yeah. I bet if you looked up... Uh, Ali Adier's goals to game ratio I don't remember him ever scoring the, the a goal the thing with in... Ali Adier was he'd always do really well in like
2: a League Cup game and you'd be like well I tell you what if he's done this against Rotherham in the League <laughs> Cup what is he going to do in the Premier League
1: Jeremy Ali Adier who eventually ended up at West Ham oh, I did. think it's <laughs> worth think it's worth pointing out do you remember um, the thing about, I remember about Ali Adier he went out with that he went out with a, uh, a model didn't he he had that was it like Layla or Lila he had a quite famous girlfriend, Leilani. Like a, Leilani. Leilani. Leilani, Leilani. He, was, he, was, he was going go and then that was a very exciting time as a West Ham fan. Leilani Just was available really like... on a free
2: transfer. <laughs> to well.
1: Yeah, I don't remember Ali air scoring for us, but again, more dross. North, yeah. north to East Didn't London, Suka come go on to in. You as well, Suka. Devel yeah, Davosuka. Yeah, right? I mean, going back to the eight, like Liam Brady. We had Hartson off. Yeah, Chris. Ian Wright. Ian Wright, obviously. Yeah laughing all the way Great to the times. And park. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Nigel Winterburn we could go on and on
5: uh, so you found it Michael yeah so for a centre forward that played 29 league games for Arsenal he scored a single goal went to Celtic didn't score a goal went to West Ham didn't score a goal wow. he scored two on loan at Wolves in 14 games found a bit of form at Middlesbrough uh, this is way past the 90s but 11 in 78 and then he just plummets down the 11 in 78 11 in 78 he's found a bit of
2: form do you know what <laughs> My- almost <laughs> 1 in 6 I'm sure that he popped up like they did like these legends games we played Ace of Milan a couple of seasons ago played Real Madrid this season and I'm sure Ali Adier started the game at the Emirates at right back <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sure he did like,
1: legends in the loosest sense of the word. <laughs> I, I was like,
2: hung over like, <laughs> looking, looking on arsenal.com like it's
4: in the
1: idea? Right, yeah. <laughs> And M- Michael, f- feel free to Wikipedia Lelani see what she's up to now.
5: Our goal record's better than the <laughs> <LDS>. <laughs> Next up, Bobby Gould tells us about his spell at West Brom and the time he signed Stuart Pearce.
1: Let's have a few words on the clubs after Wimbledon. So we've got West Brom for a period. Not the, ha- not not the happiest time. What was wrong? What went wrong at Wimbledon? Uh, West Brom? Sorry,
0: I was... Um... I didn't settle it, it was something within the infrastructure of the club and when the chairman goes into the press conference and says oh this is Bobby Gould, uh, the new manager of the football club at West Bromwich Albion but I didn't vote for him. Oh my God! Is wow, that, that's a, that, what a way of confidence
1: that. Is. That's a start, isn't it? Um, uh, so
0: I had a, I had a, a torrid time.
1: We spoke to Frank Skinner, and he said uh, one game. I think it was a uh, was it a way a way towards it, a away to Shrewsbury towards the end of the season. Yeah, uh, I'll
0: tell you the story, okay?
1: <laughs> well,
0: uh, well <laughs> no, 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 he's not telling my story. This is my story. This is my story, not his, <laughs> okay? What's so I've really go- I, I've gone there, and the, oh, I, I had a nightmare. So. <laughs> All of a sudden, the, the, the lads are doing the warm-up. said, "Gaffy, you've got to get outside. You've got to see what they got for you. It was a coffin. And it had, <laughs> it had, a, it had a, this coffin. It was with all the West Brummish Albion supporters. And it had... R.I.P. Bobby Gould. Oh, rest, in, rest in peace. They, cause they, they wanted shot of me. They wanted me out of the way.
1: Do you think Alan Taylor organised?
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. There is a follow-on. OK. Follow-up. OK, there's a follow-on. So we're talking now, where are we talking? 91, 92, 1990, 91, 92. So anyway, so I go to Coventry. I enjoy that. I, I, I have a good to time we're back at Coventry and and, and then I go up to watch a player playing for Shrewsbury, and I'm in the boardroom because they think I'm looking at the player and everything. So all of a sudden the, the chairman of Shrewsbury comes to me and says, "The groundsman would like a a, a word with you." I says, "Serious?" He says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So I went outside. The groundsman and says, "Oh, I've got something for you in my shed." He walked me down. It was that bloody coffin. <laughs> He he kept the coffee six years!
6: (laughs) After 90 minutes of share hell, you're gonna get thirsty. (sighs) This is new isotonic leukocate sport. It gets to your thirst fast. Isotonic means it's in balance with your body fluids.
1: one of the high points, you signed Stuart Pierce, you plucked him from obscurity hmm. How...
0: I was in a situation of going to Coventry anyway, so I'm struggling for a left back I says, Bostick I says, what, what you got in your little book he says, I was a lad at Wealdstone oh yeah, he says yeah. That... He's funny enough, he says, they're playing at Yeovil tonight, well I, this time I was living in um, Porter's Head in Bristol and I was commuting a little bit and Um, from Coventry. So I phoned up the wife, I said, do you like to go out for a meal? She says, oh, that's lovely, I have thoughtful. I says, right. So I went down, picked her up and took her to Yeovil. She says, what kind of meal is this? I says, well, you know, I want to see this player. She says, who do you want to see? I says, well, he's he's a a left back. Within five minutes, it was the old old Yeovil pitch, which was on a a, a slant like that. And all of a sudden, the uh, wheelstone number three hit the number seven. With a tackle I had, never, I had never seen for a long, long time. Yeah. And that's number seven nearly landed in my lap. <laughs> and I said to the good lady, I said, we're going home. You can't go home. She said, it's disrespectful. I see what I see what I see. I see what I want to see. So anyway, so I, I, I drove home, got up five o'clock the next morning, drove to Coventry, got onto the chair. And I said, I want two, 22 and a half grand. He says, "What for?" He oh, got a board meeting. I says, "No board meeting. No board meeting. Nothing." I says, "I want twenty and, a two and a half grand." He says, "What are you doing?" I says, "I'm buying myself a left back." He says, "Who's that?" Stuart Pearce. Wow! From five minutes. I, oh, it's Omdinga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one time. Closed shop, closed. <laughs> and I brought, I brought him up. I brought, I, I, I went, and, I went and interviewed him with his mum, and he was, a, he was a sparky electrician. Mm Uh, and Terry Venables had got ready from uh, QPR. Yeah. And uh, I I brought him up, and he was stunning. Yeah. There was a gentleman called George Curtis who was Jimmy Hill's number one, and George was, he'd taken over the... Uh, running at a club, you know, and uh, he come up. He says he's in the first team on Saturday. I says, he's not in the first team on Saturday. George, you do not pick the team. I pick the team. You just disappear and know that you've got a great left back. I kept him for four weeks. I kept Percy. I hid him for four weeks. Fourth in that fourth week, who we were playing at Highville Road, Queens Park Rangers. Who was manager? Teddy Venables. Who was man of the match? Stuart. <laughs> he was
4: phenomenal. And did you sell him to Brian Clough? Pardon? Did you sell him to Forrest?
0: I had a phone call. Well, yeah. So it all went on. I, I tell you, his best position mm. it is it wasn't fullback. We went over Scandinavia, and I played with a sweeper. So I played um, a free uh, somebody good on the ball. Yeah. I played two good markers. I played two. I played two wide men. And he was he he was the. Third man of the midfield. Oh right, yeah. He was awesome.
1: Really. Yeah.
0: Awesome. He was back and forward and it's a new role and he'd rattle him in midfield and they don't expect that, you see. But yeah. he was he was he was brilliant. He was really, really very, very special.
5: And finally, Gary Neville drops a bombshell that as a teenager, Paul Scholes was a the player they thought wouldn't make it as a pro. With that
4: class of ninety two, so there's you know, there's the, the, the six that on, the, on the wall there and then there's obviously there's the Ben Thornleys and there's, you know, a lot of people say yeah. Ben Thornley was actually the, you know, yeah. the, the greatest of all in talent-wise. Was there anyone in the class of 92 and you don't need to name names mm-hmm. that you thought was shit that actually made it as a professional footballer? <laughs> <laughs> I
6: bet that's a question you've <laughs> never been asked. Just if, then... if, if I exclude myself for now... <laughs> uh,
4: Anybody thought
6: no, he's not your... going to make it? Yeah, I, I can actually, I don't even need to be, I can name him. If you said to me at 12, 13, Scholesy Yeah. ...would be one of the greatest players, of all, i said, I, I, how? <laughs> how? You know, he was so small, so slight, he didn't have great energy and, and stre- no strength. Yeah. You could knock him off the ball because he was really, really slight. He had asthma. you couldn't really run very far. It wasn't quick, he never beat you yeah. for pace. So you've got to imagine when you are a young kid at 12, 13, 14, you're playing as Nicky Butt, and Nicky Butt was an animal. You know, he'd run all over you, he'd power the strength, he'd kick yeah. you, he'd head you. he'd pass the ball, he'd run forward, and you thought, geez, You saw Ben Thorne the beating players, quick, nimble, yeah, agile. Yeah, yeah. You saw sort of Betts coming in sort of the best striker of a ball you ever saw, whipping the crosses in, that ping that he had. So you saw qualities in every single player. I say, I exclude myself. If <laughs> 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 I was a defender, I was being pushed back into defence, yeah. so it's a completely different thing. And then you look at Scholes and you just think, yeah, obviously he was tidy on the ball when yeah. he got the ball. But you just thought, how can he, he can't cope. Physically, <laughs> he can't cope with everything yeah. that's going on around him. He sort of didn't really get into the county team, didn't really play a lot of games. So in the first year, 1992, he didn't even play in the youth team. Really? But all of a sudden, the year after, Yeah. I think that was the point where I think he stopped, I think that was the point where he stopped drinking beer. (laughs) And and stopped stopped eating pies on a Friday. And he tells the story himself, he was, he'd scolds he was sort of, you know, you just eat what he wanted. And then the transformation inside of two or three years was unbelievable. So you just think about, I mean, what I would say is the club saw him as a player though. Yes, they've spotted they could see it. Brian Kidd adored him. Sir Alex said if he doesn't become a football player, we can all pack in. And that <laughs> was when he was 18. But yeah. we have sort of been with him since he was 14, to 16, 17. You're always thinking, well, you know, for instance, our youth team, 92, it was Nicky Button, central midfield with Simon Davis, it was Ben Thorne, Keith Gillespie, and Bex. Yeah. Four of those five. Scholes never got a look in. I don't think yeah. he was on the bench in the 92 final. I don't think he was on the bench. So people don't yeah. class the 92. Yeah. Scholes in that 92 cup win wasn't on the pitch, wasn't in the bench. So that was to one to me was the biggest shot. Yeah. And then you get to the end of my career and I say he's the best player that I ever played with. So if you think of that jump from being a 13 14 yeah. year old when you first see him to this sort of like you know small kid with no strength, not great stamina, can't really run that fast to becoming the best player you've ever played with that is a sh- that's a big yeah shit,
1: but he was never in danger of
6: getting kind of let go was he Did he ever come no I, no, no we, i mean i wasn't privy to those discussions yeah. anyway but to be fair the club themselves yeah saw obviously the few saw the potential the talent yeah. so that's what clubs do and brian kidd i have to say he, the one thing he had he was a nasty little that he could stick up for himself yeah. he won't back yeah. out of a tackle even though he was. You know, well, that went for his career as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, I remember him as actually a 16-year-old in the B team. He played. A, he played a couple of games at left back because he couldn't. It was too. It was too much for him in central midfield. So he played at left back, thinking actually you have to get him out of the way. Because yeah. I mean, oh, wow. you know, we played on muddy pitches. Uh, we played against big lads. Strength and power really important. You remember when you play football, you're younger. The big lads always used to just trample all over you. And Sculls just he ended up getting shifted out to left back. Um, but yeah, it just obviously the, the club themselves believed in him and knew he yeah. had growth, knew he had obviously this incredible awareness. But it's no good, it's no good being aware if the pitch is muddy and you've got two six foot two, <laughs> six, I think six foot two, your fifteen year olds again. So you know, yeah. Awareness doesn't really count. The ball's stuck. It's who's the strongest who can get it out of that mud. And this little kid from Middleton couldn't get it out of the mud, so put him at left back. You know, there's a bit of grass over there. <laughs>
4: That was our best bits, or not all the best bits, that was some of our best bits. Thank you very much for listening. And as a little treat at the end, we do like to leave you with something from Desert Linum's album of poetry. What career. Skull, can we have a number, please? I'd like the key to the door, 21.
1: 21. that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with our first ever Play Along quiz. Do join us for that. Until then, here's Des Linum and Robbie Slater.
3: See you later. I went into a public house to get a pint of beer. The publican, he up and says, We serve no redcoats here. The girls behind the bar, they laughed and giggled, fit to die. I out into the street again and to myself, says I, Oh, it's Tommy this and Tommy that and Tommy go away. But it's thank you, Mr Atkins, when the band begins to play. The band begins to play, my boys, the band begins to play. Oh, it's thank you, Mr Atkins, when the band begins to play. I went into a theatre as sober as could be. They gave a drunk civilian room, but hadn't none for me. They sent me to the gallery, all round the music halls. But when it comes to fighting, Lord, they'll shove me in the stalls. For it's Tommy this, and Tommy that, and Tommy wait outside. But it's special train for Atkins, when the trooper's on the tide. The troop ship's on the tide, my boys. The troop ship's on the tide. Oh, it's special train for Atkins. And the troopers on the tide. Yes, making mock of uniforms that guard you while you sleep is cheaper than them uniforms, and their starvation cheap. And hustling drunken soldiers when they're going large a bit is five times better business than parading in full kit. Then it's Tommy this and Tommy that, and Tommy how's your soul? But it's thin red line of heroes when the drums begin to roll. The drums begin to roll my boys The drums begin to roll Oh it's thin red line of heroes. when the drums begin to roll We aren't no thin red heroes, Nor we aren't no blackguards too But single men in barracks most remarkable like you And if sometimes our conduct isn't all your fancy paints, why single men in barracks don't grow into plaster saints, while it's Tommy this and Tommy that and Tommy fall behind, but it's Please to walk in front, sir, when there's trouble in the wind. There's trouble in the wind, my boys. There's trouble in the wind. Oh, it's pleased to walk in front, sir, when there's trouble in the wind. You talk of better food for us and schools and fires and all. We'll wait for extra rations if you treat us rational. Don't mess about the cookroom slops, but prove it to our face. The widow's uniform is not the soldier man's disgrace, for it's Tommy this... And Tommy that and chuck him out, the brute. But it's savior of his country when the guns begin to shoot. And it's Tommy this and Tommy that and anything you please. And Tommy ain't a blooming fool, you bet that Tommy sees. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing.